welcome to Tis Talk. This is a podcast coming from Tisbury, Wiltshire and surrounding villages. I'm Julianne Murphy. And I'm Mary Myers. Welcome to Tis Talk. It's the week beginning the 15th of January and we've got a new season starting today. Yes, Happy New Year to all our listeners, Mary. Now, you've been busy. Yes, I've been busy during the Christmas holidays, um, interviewing all sorts of interesting Tisbergians. <laughs> who I'm told is the name by Tina Richard, who's actually writing a history of interesting Tisbergians. I've um, never heard we'll... that before. Yeah, Tisbergians. No. Yeah, yes. Interesting. And the first one we're going to hear from is Anunciata Connolly, who is actually technically a warder, warderite, somebody who lives in water anyway, <laughs> who is an international model. So we'll be hearing from her later. But I've spoken to all sorts of interesting other people. Robert Barnes, who was born and brought up here. Debbie Carter, who's just won an award for her nature work. Anne Martin, who runs all sorts of societies, but is mainly a China expert. So, you know, and we've got lots coming up over the next few weeks. Yeah, so I hope that sparks some interest because they'll all be worth listening out for. So, on the show today, we have model Anunciata Connolly, followed by a story of drama and violence during the swing riots in Tisbury in the 19th century. Then we have an offer of free local advice for warmer homes from Nada Community Energy. And we finish, as usual, with the What's Ons. Follow us on Instagram at TisTalkRadio. Anunciata, thank you very much for coming on TIS Talk. Hello, to start with. Have you had a good Christmas? I've had a lovely Christmas, thank you. Great. And I've caught you down here with your family over Christmas, but you're based in London and... I'm actually based in Paris at the moment. I moved to Paris uh, in September. I'll be there for the next year. Oh, right, okay. I've just left London. And you are a model. I am. Yeah. So would you describe yourself as a full-time model or is this something you're doing during your studies? Um, I actually very rarely, I find it quite awkward to tell people I'm a model. So I'd stick with student because I think it's definitely something that I will not be doing once I continue in sort of the next stage of my career, whatever. I will stop after I finish studying. So what are you studying? I'm studying French and international relations at the moment up in London. Um, Currently on my year abroad. Right. which is why I'm based in Paris. No, I've been modelling since I was 18, um, up in London and recently in Paris as well. And it's been fantastic, but it's not really something that I think for most women is a long-term career projection because you really have until you're 27. Okay, that's a known yeah. thing. 27's the cut-off point. Pretty much, yeah. Not for men. For men, obviously, they get paid less than women, but they do just have a much longer trajectory for what right. they want to do with that sort of career. Okay, so you've been modelling since you're 18, you are what now? I'm t- uh, 21. Okay, so you've got six more years left. So, well, yeah, I'm not sure I'm going to put myself through that. It sounds a harsh world then, in a way. It can be, it can be. There's lots of benefits to it as well. I think it's 
greatly improved my self-confidence in many ways. Um, but no, I think it is a sort of, similar to acting, it's constant rejection after rejection, which can be very taxing on your mental health. Yes. Okay, we can talk about that in a minute, but perhaps you could just say how you got into it in the first place. So actually, I was walking around Oxford Street when I was 16 with my older sister, and um, I got approached by a modelling agent, and I'd never thought about it before. It just never dawned on me as a sort of possibility. Um, And my parents were pretty insistent that I didn't do anything until I'd finished my A-levels. However, when I went to university in London, Mm. I signed with my still now agent, my mother agent, The Hive, and um it's called just, hive your agent yeah the hive yeah okay yeah they're quite a small boutique high fashion agency they're okay so they spotted you somebody was out there from hive looking for beautiful young women and they found you they they do sort of they tend to roam around the west field and the various the shopping centers <laughs> shopping centers in london and who do you model for so i've done stuff for montclair i've done stuff for chanel um, I'm currently, fingers crossed, waiting to hear back from a Yves Saint Laurent job, which would be fantastic. Recently, I went to Dubai in September to do some jewellery modelling, which was great. And I think you've been on some front front covers, is that yeah. correct? <laughs> I did the, the How to Spend It front cover about a year and a half ago. For which newspaper? Um, How to Spend It, the Financial Times. And um, I was recently in British Vogue, and I've been in Singaporean Vogue as well. Last January, I did a, an editorial spread in Tatler. So, I can't help asking you, but it must pay a lot of money, doesn't it? It can. It's The money is, you know, it's great when you're a student and you're doing a day's work and you're getting a couple of grand for it. It's really fantastic. They do take a substantial cut. They take yeah. 37%. Really? From your gross earnings, um, which is yeah. not ideal. <laughs> no. You know, you wouldn't have the job without them, so you sort of... This is your agent. Yeah. Yes. My agent takes yes. that. But, you know, it is a flawed industry in many ways. It often takes three months, if not more, for them to pay me. And so right. just because you've, you know, booked the job and you've done the job doesn't mean you're going to see the money for you. Yes, you're not rich overnight. So, yeah. And I guess it's actually quite hard work, isn't it? It can be. It can, be, it can be mentally quite draining if you're doing the same thing for sort of eight, nine, ten hours in a day and, and you are very often not treated like an actual employee, so to speak. You are sort of a glorified clothes hanger. You know, you're not offered water, you're not offered food. Really? Yeah, they keep you on your feet a lot. I've learned, I think when I started out, I was very meek about things. I didn't want to say that I was tired or that I needed water or something like that. I think as I've had more and more experience with the industry you just put it down as you want it you know you sort of say actually I want five minutes break now I'm really really tired they do respect that they just don't think to offer it I thought they treated you like royalty no but that said I've had some brands who've been really fantastic and really really wonderful so it depends it's a mixed bag of experiences you get the really great and then the not so great so how would you describe a typical day of modeling for a label in London normally very early starts Right. You wake up early, you arrive wherever they've sent you. It's normally, it's actually very often Hackney area is very popular. For right. some reason, everything seems to shoot in Hackney. And you arrive, clean face, clean hair. They'll put you in hair and makeup. They'll start shooting maybe an hour and a half, two hours after hair and makeup. Especially as I've done some very sort of eclectic looks. Wigs that have gone down to my ankles, which take 
about an hour and a half to put on. And okay. So then after the hair and makeup, the shoot starts? The shoot starts, you'll be shooting. Sometimes they feed you, they're meant to feed you, sometimes they don't feed you and you sort of, you know, they'll have like a bowl of fruit or something, kind mm. of pick at that <laughs> throughout the day. Um, and will there be other models around or would you be the only one? It depends. It depends on whether they've booked two girls for a job or three girls or editorials quite often that's seven or eight models okay. and a team of stylists and a team of hair, hair and makeup artists. And then who's sort of directing it? Is it the camera people or is there a director overall? A collaboration. Because they will have right. chosen a photographer who has a certain style and that photographer will have their input. The stylist that they will have hired will also have their input. Mm. And quite often actually, once they take the photos, they'll send them straight off to the brand and the brand, you have to stay there until the brand will be online all the time and they will confirm whether they like them or not. Okay, so they could be in... Korea or yep, I've had, New York? Um, a brand in Singapore who I did quite recently. They were Someone was up until 5am in the morning for what was their time, just verifying whether they liked the images or not before uh, we moved on to the next look. Okay, thank you so much for all that real insight into the modelling world. But what gets you out of bed in the morning? I would have to say uh, a cup of coffee. I'm very rarely functioning before I've had caffeine. Okay, good strong dose good, of caffeine. Good strong normal coffee nothing nothing fancy just normal Great. coffee and what's your favorite disc that you'd take to a desert island i think it would have to be dream a little dream of me by the mamas and the papas because as a child i remember that being played by my older sisters so it's sort of ingrained in my memory as one of my Great. favorite songs uh what do you most like about tisbury or the area because i mean you're from warder yes so pop Perhaps not necessarily Tisbury, but the area it's Well, I'd general. have to say the leisure centre in Tisbury, when I come home, that is honestly one of my favourite parts about being home is going to a gym that's not full all the time, but still has all the right equipment. And I really enjoy that. I was there this morning, actually. I go with my sister. Mm. Uh, we're trying to get my mum into it at the moment. But the <laughs> leisure centre there is really fantastic. Yeah, it is, actually. You're right. And what do you most dislike about the area? I I must say, I've, I've lived in, in Warder all my life and... I love it to pieces. I can't think of anything negative about mm. it. It is sort of paradise on earth for us. So, Great. Fair enough. What's your favourite local view? Um, from Warder, on the top of the valley, there's a beautiful view where you can see all the way across, uh, which Wait. I was lucky enough to... My bedroom was there for a... Oh, so it's yeah. the view out of your window? Yeah, 100%. OK, lovely. Now, complete this sentence... Not many people know this about Tisbury, but... There is actually a fantastic antique shop at the top of the um, high street, which always has amazing little trinkets in it. And I, I love sort of collecting things, so that's always been somewhere I'd love All to right. go. Can you say any particular treasure you've bought there? Well, they have a lot of prints, and I love prints, so, yeah, I'd have to say. They, they have a whole room that's just dedicated to prints. Mm, and, you've bought one or, and you've bought one or two there? Oh, I've, bought, I've bought many over <laughs> Nice. Now, quick fire. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Tea or coffee? Coffee. <laughs> Beer or wine? Beer. Football or rugby? Rugby. Radios one, two or three for music? Radio two. Okay. Yeah, radio one's a bit too... It's a bit too intense and radio three is all that my parents listen to, so I get a bit bored of it. Radio 2 is pretty good, I'd say. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Thank you. 
Tis Talk, a podcast from Tisbury on tistalk.buzzsprout.com. Now, shortly before Christmas, Tina Richard, author and historian of our area, launched her new book. It's called The Pit House Rioters from Tisbury to Tasmania. It tells of the bloody events of 1830. Anne Martin went to meet Tina to find out more. I'm sitting with Tina Richard in her lovely cottage next to St John's Church, just chatting about the Pit House Rioters. Who exactly were the Pit House Rioters, Tina? They were the young men of the village of Tisbury and the surrounding area, the immediate surrounding area, who were agricultural workers who worked on the tenant farms in the immediate area. So they worked for people like the then Lord Arundel, John Bennett at Pitt House, but they worked on the land. And why did they choose to riot? Well, the situation was at the time that the agricultural industry was changing from being completely physical work to introducing machinery. And the piece of machinery that really triggered the whole of the swing riots off in the south of England and to some extent slightly north um, was the introduction of the big threshing machines. Prior to that, the agricultural workers had done the threshing by hand in barns in the winter. And what the threshing machine did was to stop them getting that work during the winter months. Swing riots. So how did it get this name? It got its name from, there were two things really. The first thing was that owners of farms all across the south of England started getting letters from the mythical, and I'm putting it in inverted commas, mythical Captain Swing. Um, We will burn your ricks and you've got to get rid of the machines. So they called themselves Captain Swing. But the swing came from the use of the flail, which was used to thresh the corn. The workers sat around in the big barns or stood around with their flail. The flail was a long pole with a a piece of leather or, or rope on the end with a sharp point. And they swung that and smashed it down on the corn and that released the seed corn from the straw. And so what happened to some of these people that rioted? Ah. How did it end up? What happened in the Tisbury area happened um, at the end of November. It was said that there were about 400 of them who assembled at Font Hill Gifford coming from all sorts of different parts of the village. They broke up threshing machines in the Tisbury area uh, Fonthill Gifford, Lawn Farm, Pitt House Farm. John Bennett then called in the Hinden Militia, who were on horseback with their muskets. Well, the young men were only armed with sticks and staves. They hadn't got anything else, and stones. They'd picked up stones. And they scrambled up the banks at Pitt House, which, as you know, if, you, if anybody goes to a Pitt House restaurant, you'll know where the banks are, where they, they slope up into the uh, woodland. And they started throwing stones at the militia. And at this point, the militia started firing their muskets and the uh, initially over the heads of the uh, demonstrators, but eventually they actually killed someone. And at this point, the young men went absolutely mad and started trying to yank the militia off their horses. And and then uh, eventually the militia got the better of them and then the young men started to stream back through into Tisbury and but they were arrested and they were loaded into the cart into carts and they were taken off to Salisbury Jail, which is in Fisher, was in Fisherton Street, just before you get to the roundabout. 
on the left-hand side. And then they were tried at the Special Commission at the Guildhall in Salisbury. And um, they never saw their families again because they were carted smartly off to Portsmouth to the prison hulks, which were moored in Portsmouth Harbour. But the government wanted to get rid of them as quickly as possible because questions were already being asked in the House about their treatment. They still wanted them out of the way, out of sight, out of mind. And so they were deported rapidly, transported to Van Diemen's Land, which subsequently became Tasmania. Interestingly, once they got to Tasmania, the, the settlers in Tasmania who had managed to get land on the farms were desperate for qualified, proper agricultural workers. And so our lads were very much in demand. They were assigned to all sorts of different farmers. Some of them did reasonably well, some not so well. One or two died almost instantaneously. They were all deeply upset and ashamed, apparently, of being at the situation they found themselves in. So, yeah, some of them did quite well. Great. Thank you very much, Tina. You can buy Tina's book for 19.95 online at the Hobnob Press or directly from Tina for a discounted price of £18. Contact christina.richard96 at gmail.com. Tis Talk, a podcast from Tisbury on tistalk.buzzsprout.com. Now here's a short message from the NADA Community Energy's Warmer at Home team. Are you aware of anyone in the Tisbury area who might be struggling to keep warm at home this winter? Do you think they might welcome a free heat loss survey to help detect cold spots and drafts, coupled with advice on possible remedies? Using a thermal camera, NADA Community Energy's Warmer at Home team are ready to respond to requests for a home visit to detect problems and provide a brief report, all for free. No commercial sales pressure, just local volunteers helping local residents with simple practical advice. For further information, email Sue Reed on admin at nadace.org.uk or call 01747 870279. I'll repeat that email address, admin at nadace.org.uk or call Sue Reed on 01747 870279. If you wrap up warm, there are plenty of activities on to tempt you out this week. On Tuesday, there is the Tisbury Parish Council Environment Committee meeting in the Parish Reading Room at 6pm. This will be followed by the Tisbury Parish Council meeting at 7pm, at which the TPC 2024-25 budget and precept will be approved. All are welcome at both meetings. On Wednesday, the Pop-Up Cafe is in the Hinton Hall from 10am to 12 noon for a fun morning of tabletop games, conversation and homemade cake. Then at 1.30pm, the Tisbos outing is to the Victoria Hall to see the film Finding Your Feet, starring Imelda Staunton, Celia Imry and Timothy Spall. The film will be followed by afternoon tea, Tickets are £5. To book a space, call 
07500 802525. In the evening, the Horticultural Society is holding a talk entitled Your Seasonal Garden, given by the team from Castle Gardens Sherbourne. This is in the Methodist Hall at 7pm for 7.30pm. Society membership is not needed. All are welcome. On Saturday, there is the Community Cafe Breakfast in the Methodist Church from 9.30 to 12 noon. And the Tisbury Country Market will be in the Victoria Hall from 10 to 11am. This is the one market they are holding during January. From February, it will revert to the first and third Saturdays of the month. On Sunday, Seventh Arts are showing the film Cezanne, A Portrait of Life in the Victoria Hall at 6.30 for 7pm. This is a revealing film about a man dubbed the father of us all by Matisse and Picasso. Tickets are £10. And showing at Messams is Eugenie Vronskaya's exhibition Between the Seen and the Imagined. For more information on this exhibition, visit the Messams website. And that's a roundup for this week. Thank you. You can contact us on tistalkradio at gmail.com. That's all from us. We've been Julianne Murphy and Mary Myers. And special thanks to contributors Keelan Pybus and Martin and Lal Pointer. Mm-hmm.